hey, America, check out 16W with Norman. All the self-deprecation and stupidity you can handle available wherever you download and listen. Rate, share, and review. I'm Chris Cody. Yeah, I feel What's going on? It is Tuesday, Groundhog's Day. I don't even know if the Groundhog... Did the Groundhog see his shadow, Dad? Is today Groundhog Day? Yeah, see, we're both in the same boat. I we don't know that. We don't even pay attention to that stupid Groundhog. No. <laughs> um, Puxatawney Phil. Puxatawney Phil. So, it's Tuesday. We're trying to do... Uh, now that the holidays are over and we're in a new year, we wanted to try to do another Tuesdays with Tommy, my father. Say hello, Tommy. Hello. How are you all? <laughs> Uh-oh. Oh, I almost spilled soda all over the place. Oh, God. I caught it just in time. So I'll have you a little don't bit. Don't open of a, it. Yeah. Looks like Ooh, it shook up. It shook up, yeah. So um, what I wanted to do is do like a, a little pod just about um, one, of my, one of my childhood things from growing up that uh, was something we did together, and we spent a lot of time doing it together, was um, going to, in like 1982-ish, 81-ish, 82-ish, uh, through, I guess you had like money from when your dad passed away and or didn't, how did you have the money saved up for, wasn't it like something you had gotten from a stipend when you were a little kid that you just put in a bond or something like that? No, I, my mother had saved a couple bonds for me, but I, I just wanted to buy a piece of property to, to have a getaway, have a getaway. So we had looked, like we started going up to Port Jervis and New York State, up those long rides. And from New Jersey, you know, once you got out of the traffic, which for the time frame we had the property, you used to get to a certain point in the beginning where you'd get kind of past the traffic, like 80 to 15, you'd right. get past the traffic. Right, right. Um, but then that traffic just got so busy because so many people that worked in the city just started living like, you know, up that area. Up that area. So um, what is it? It's Sussex is all the way up. There's one in between Sussex and Bergen, isn't there? There's like... Uh, at middle, nah, Middlesex no, or something. It might be. I don't something like that. But there's that. there's a couple of counties in between. But when you got to Sussex County, it was usually like quieter. It was right. nicer. And then all those areas got built up. Like La- Lafayette was another little town yeah, there. Quiet little town. Um, you know, going through Sparta and all that stuff. And then we started going up 17 through the Hawk's Nest, the winding road that's on like every commercial, like Amex commercials right. and. It's in television shows and stuff. Uh, the, the, it's a if you're not, five winding, five, yeah, forty-five degree. Turn. If you're yeah, if you're not familiar, along the Delaware, uh, along the Delaware River, uh, going up towards Port Jervis, New York, from from New Jersey, taking like seventeen to eighty-four to exit one, uh, yeah, to the, to get off to go kind of loop around uh, through Port Jervis. But there's a section of road called the Hawk's Nest, and it is on the motorcycle. It's beautiful. It's like a windy, like into the rock. Out of the rock, like you're about to go off the edge of the road down a ravine that's probably oh, thousand feet at least, right? Uh, at least thousand fifteen hundred feet minimum down to the down to the river. And you could see out the whole all, country. all the way over. Yeah, yeah, you could see the whole landscape in Pennsylvania while you were in New York, and it's pretty cool. So we used to go that way too, and we had this. We had two pieces of property. We had one piece of property that was on seven acres of blueberries, and we had another property that we had ended up getting like. Um, like seven or eight years later uh, on uh, a lake in Eulen, New York, which was like a rental property, but it yeah. gave us access to the lake and we had stuff there, you know, kind of my account. Uh, yeah, my uh, my white privilege problems that I had. Uh, so we have uh, these two pieces of property. The, the property in, in Pennsylvania was great. We got it when I was about 10 ish years old. And um, I think we I don't know why if, this might not be completely accurate, but my memory is generally pretty good. I think we closed on the property like. 
the last week of September after looking all summer long. We closed it and owned it, and it was our property. And Scott wanted to camp out on the property in October or something like that, right? Right, he did. And then we went and camped out on this piece of property, and it was a cool little section. Like, my brother built a lean-to, and he had a big fire out in front. We kind of sectioned it off, and there was a giant flat rock that was covered in moss that kind of softened the rock up a little bit, and that's where we put the tent, right around it, right. and had like a flat surface to lay on instead of getting jabbed by rocks and whatever other shit. And it's 1982. The technology of tenting and camping equipment is not, not what it is today. You know, it's, you're talking almost 40 years ago. So, uh, so we spend this first night sitting out there. Ooh, Mia farted. That's disgusting. Um, we... Uh, Thanks. We spent the night out there, and we froze our asses off. I just remember, like, yeah. I couldn't control my teeth chattering. It was, like, freezing cold. I remember It that. was miserable. And then, you know, you're not, not that we had to walk a long way. Oh, everybody's in here. Lucy's in here, too, today. Um, we had to walk maybe, like, 20 feet to get to the campsite through heavy brush, carrying a bunch of shit, and it was like, oh, my God. But it was cool. We had that property, I mean, all, from the time I was 10 till you just sold it maybe five or six years ago. Yeah. Um, you know, so we had like 20, 30 years that having that property, and it was cool. I mean, we had... Um, it was a getaway. It was a getaway. It wasn't that far. No traffic. It was like, you know, an hour. Some traffic, it was an hour 30, depending on how you went and, and what the traffic looked like. And I then bought a $1,500 trailer. Right. 35-foot trailer that I had... Delivered to the property, and we brought electricity to a pole. Right, had had set a pole seventy five feet into the property, and then we ran power to the trailer, and we had lights. So have water though, and so we yeah. So we'll so basically we had this tin can. Now we go to all these trailer like these trailer dealers. There's a whole bunch of them up in Pennsylvania, New York, and we're looking. And I'm 10 years old, and he's walking me through these fucking plush bed rolls out. You hit a button, a table opens up, turns into a dining room. Uh, you know, beautiful vinyl flooring, brand new kitchen. These are all banging like you know, go to a campsite and you're the man type stuff. And then he's actually looking at the one that's in the back of the lot that they were using for storage that they got all the shit out of. And we ended up getting this like $1,500 trailer that was just beat to, beat to shit. Right, because all the others, that, the ones that the pullouts and all were that, expensive. were very, very expensive. And then at one point, Scott owned a pop-up camper right. that we parked there also. Pop-up campers, like one, it's like a box and it trailers behind your car. And then when you get to your campsite... You crank it, and it cranks up and pulls out, and it ends up having beds on each end, the With kitchen in the middle, and all screening around all around it, so no bugs. And that was very nice. We so. had those, the two of those on the property for a while. Yeah. And then um, we ran electricity, like you said, and then but we didn't have water. So in order to <laughs> take a shit, we, we didn't... I mean, I don't remember even really showering back then. Like, we'd go up on Friday night, come home on Sunday. Right. I, I don't remember, unless we, I got incredibly dirty doing something. Well, there was times when we were doing work, I remember... Sammy and I going to the waterfall up. Oh, and just soaking yourself. Ninety-seven, and just walk under it, and the water came down and hit you, and ice cold. It yeah, ran yeah, yeah, under the roadway into the river. And then we had this weird thing, and I didn't, I didn't think twice of it as a kid. Probably should have thought more of it, but um, we didn't have running water, so everything was bottled water, or uh, and bottled water wasn't like it is today, where there's seventy-five different brands of bottled water. I think you know there was a couple of brands. Yeah. Uh, Deer Park might have been one in New Jersey at that point. I mean, it wasn't a lot. So you had bottled water that we'd have, and then you had these pipes. It was two spots, I remember. I don't remember the exact location, but oh. 
two pipes that just came out of the mountain with cold water. And before we drank any of it, we, we bottled some of it. My dad had it tested, and it was like... The best water. The clearest, <laughs> right? Clean, no chemicals, nothing in it. So we started using that, and we'd still boil it. I mean, we'd still boil the water before we used it, but we had to use that. So if you took a shit in the toilet, you could dump you could dump a bucket of water in because there was a septic tank. We had a septic tank. Yeah, that's what we had put in the first time. First thing yeah. was a septic tank. And the, the cool thing about the septic tank was where they – because this is like – you're talking brush, like trees. Like when we first pull up on this property, there is nothing but a wall of trees, and you have to use your imagination to and figure – there's a ground cover of all – Of rock, shale. Oh, blue, oh, blueberries. The, the bushes on the property were blueberries, but that part of the Poconos, all the mountains were rock. Like it was, yes. right? Digging was tough. So we get this septic tank put in, and it's probably, I would say, from end to end, maybe 60 feet. Yes. Right? Like that big opening. Right. 60 feet by maybe 25, 30 feet, you know, type of deal. And they make this big clearing, and they backfill everything in on top of it, and there's a way to clean it out. They know how to do all that stuff. But we have now this opening. That's like a play area when you're 10, 11 years old. It's a play area. But we also, you know, people always talk about guns and gun rights and all these things about taking people's guns away. Since I'm 10, I mean, I had a BB gun when I was probably six, like a Red Rider, like one yeah. of those little lever actions. Um, but then we had this opening that was 60 feet. And what we started doing is at one end, there were like two trees that kind of came out on an angle. So we just started stacking wood inside of there to make like a, 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 ba- a back, you know, a, a backstop. Behind that backstop, we started throwing hay, styrofoam, anything, anything we could backfill into that would catch bullets and wouldn't and wouldn't get any ba- you know bounce back. Right. So we did that, and then when we got to the front, we put a couple shelves. We had trees that had branches hanging a certain way, so you could hang a bottle on there and shoot it and crush it. Uh, we had so it was basically a shooting range that had a backstop that was just full of hay and styrofoam and all sorts of shit. Come here, Normie. Um. And that was good. I mean, we shot guns. I mean, we shot heavy-duty guns, oh. you know. Ha- oh, hey, Norm. How you doing? You want to get on camera? Issue, you wouldn't believe that I used. Oh, yeah. We used to shoot ammo all over the place. And then when my buddies got a little bit older, when I was like uh, probably 1920-ish, we would go up. My one buddy was a, is an ex-Marine. He had a lot of weapons. And my other, my other buddy, uh, uh, I'm not going to say his name because I don't want to say he has guns, but... Uh, Another buddy of mine had a shit ton of guns, and we ended up driving up. What's that Sullivan in Sullivan County? What's the the rule about Sullivan County and the guns in the car? Or you can't? Oh, you can't have them in the car. They confiscate. They them. confiscate them, and you go right to jail. Yeah. And we drove right through Sullivan County in a fire engine red Jeep. Four guys probably had been drinking for forty eight hours straight. Yeah, that was that was not pretty. But it was a great getaway. But it was it was good. So you had all right. So we had. Now we we after we were in this trailer, we're in this trailer. It's like it's like a tin can. I mean, picture just using a, a can opener to to open a can of tuna fish. That you could have put a can opener on the end of this trailer and started ripping it, and it would have right. taken the wall right down. So one night we're in there, uh, and we and you know we want my dad always wanted you wanted to see nature, right? Like nature, you like the birds coming in, you like the you like the uh, you know seeing the deer roll up on right. the spot, right? So we he would have like feeders out there you had bird feeders you had all sorts of shit and one night we're in the trailer this aluminum tin can and from the window in the quote-unquote kitchen i guess you could say right outside on we had like a little deck like a little tiny not even i mean just like a uh, platform with a step on it and we had that and uh this bear climbed up right grabbed the tree branch and bent it down to get the bird feeder and was literally turning the bird feeder upside down with his hand. 
Well, he also, there was a bird feeder that I had on a 10-foot pipe on the deck. And I remember finishing the deck, you know, coating it. And I had the bird feeder there. I didn't think anything of it. And the bear went up on the deck and he bent this piece of one-inch pipe in half. And, and took the, the bird. bird feeder. Yeah. Yeah. And you hear, you're sitting outside looking at this thing from like, from really from me to you, maybe another foot or two with a tin, aluminum tin can and glass. And I'm like, what if he sees me? Like all of a sudden I'm like, what if he sees, he's just going to take his giant claw and just rip through the side of this thing yeah. and have a, have a smorgasbord of, uh, of white fat guys. kids. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> fat white people. So that was probably one of the craziest things. And then. I remember at one point just being like uh, who uh, some one of your friends it was a Demarecki who brought up the the moped John Demarecki Dem- one of his friends brought up a moped a little red moped it was like a two stroke engine I cruised that thing up and down this mountain that we lived on for years I till I mean till the wheels fell off of it but I would even take it in the woods because I knew where paths were right because we had like a deer path almost a car path that ran along the whole backside of our property all the way up out to the log cabin at the other end of the road. You remember that? Yeah. So um, so you could go through the road, which is a gravel road, which was like freaking driving on a bulldozer type thing. Even my Jeep was like, this This shit can't go. It's like potholes it, and rocks. All it was was plowed. Right. Nothing. Nothing done to it. And then we had, uh, and then at one point they did change it up though, right? Didn't they pave? At the bottom. The guy that oh, moved at the, in at the end of our property. Right, right, right. The, he owned the uh, Burger Kings. Burger King on Times Square, so... He had a lot of money. So he had some loot. And yeah. he had, that was his little getaway. It's probably bodies. That was the other thing, too. Like, that was so secluded. Like, you could, if, if, like, I was watching all these serial killer shows on TV, and I'm just thinking to myself, Jesus, yeah, that was a perfect spot. Except getting in and out of it would have been a bitch to, to bury a body. But, yeah. <laughs> um, but I like that. And then we had, we had this property on the lake. We didn't really go fishing a lot in that lake. I remember Max, our old golden retriever, running and swimming in that lake. But I don't remember us. Us going, I remember really going fishing in Shahola Falls. Shahola Falls, yeah. um, where we lived, like he was talking about going under a waterfall to clean off. That wasn't this waterfall, but there was another waterfall that had all sorts of rocks you could climb on and check it out. And we had a little, what would you say, 10 foot, 12 foot fishing boat with yeah. an electric motor. And we would zip around that lake and go fishing. And um, that was really nice because that was a nice lake. It was calm, yeah. clear water. And there was a falls at the other end, though. But right. it was it was it was manned. It was like not just going off the edge. It was actually right, like right. A, they you could couldn't turn. go off the edge. They yeah, it yeah, off. set up. Um, so out of all the, I mean, we were in Shahola from '82 to probably, I mean, shoot, 2012, 2013. Yeah. What? And you had lived there for a period of time. You were doing white. Where were well, you working? I was working in Stroudsburg, which was 40 miles from Shahola and 75 miles from Woodridge. Right. So it was easy to come home to Shahola. But in the winter, that's when I realized... It got rough. The snow, and I had to come up that one mountain. It's called Mountain Road that you had to snake your way back up. Right. And I remember doing a 360 on the road. I made a turn, and I did a 360 on the road. Luckily... I didn't go off the road, but it scared the heck out of me. I'm saying, oh, my God. So then you start doing the 75 miles on a straight highway? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, mean, that, I mean, that road, I remember that being nice. It was, it was probably about the same, the same 
elapsed time from door to door. Like, I mean, you jump in the car on Woodridge and you're on Route 80 in five minutes and you're out all the way straight out doing 70 miles an hour the right. whole way at least. At it's least. a straight shot. You're going against traffic because you're going west when everybody right. else is coming east. So I mean, you could probably make it to, I remember where that place was. In, in about, yeah, but I was going to say about an hour and an hour and 20, hour and 30. So going from Shahola, it was probably a li- it was probably still about at least an hour because you had to go back roads. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or a little yeah. less than yeah. an hour. Right. Right. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so, I mean, it was just a matter of, uh, what you preferred to see a ton of cars and sit in a little bit of traffic or have bit windy back roads and cruise on. I like on to and, keep yeah. moving because it puts you off Me too. In Port Jervis and in Port Jervis, there was a diner. We used to stop at the Port Jervis diner. Right. Remember that? Uh-huh. And, uh, then we had to go up through the Hawk's Nest and I liked the Hawk's Nest. But that too in the winter got very yeah. Easy. Mommy wrecked very the car on the on the way up, not even to the hawk's nest. Right. She, we were we were going up to our house on the lake. I, I think it was to boot a tenant or something, or to check on what was going on with the tenant. It was me and Mike Diagnes. Yeah. And you and mommy and you guys were in front of us. We got me and we got Lucy crawling around back here doing stuff. Um, and we uh, we were following you guys up on the road, and mommy just all of a sudden skidded out, hit the guardrail, spun around, and was on yeah. the other side of the road. And we came rolling up, and I got into some trouble because some guy we had called a we had called a tow truck. Lucy, come here, baby. She's coming. We called the tow truck, but then some random guy came up with a tow truck. It wasn't the guy we called, and he was trying to upsell us and like kind of rip my mom off and like trying to get a bunch of money out of her. And I'm like, listen, beat it, bro. And he like wanted to get all bent out of shape. This is when I was still fat too, and I uh, and I kind of I kind of spit in his face, which was not really not really cool looking back, but. Um, but you know, trying to rip off my mom, I was I was a little a little defensive. But uh, so all those things up in Shahola, like, is there a is there a uh, like a specific memory of a time or a thing that happened up there that you oh, like the first thing that clicks in your head? There's so many. First of all, Shahola is a Letty Lenape Indian word called place of peace. Mm. Okay. And for me, it was great. You looked that up today. You looked it up. You didn't know that off the top of your head. Did you look that up? <laughs> I used to know it, but I... You looked, looked it up. up. Okay, just a second. Just making sure you're taking the show seriously and doing notes. Okay. No, no. And I thought it was wonderful because I had a job that was crazy. Uh, it was constantly busy, and I had three shifts. I was monitoring, and I never stopped getting calls. And when I first went up there... We ha- I got a phone right away, but nobody knew I had a phone, so nobody could call me. So I well, went- not right away. I mean, 1981, 82, we didn't have cell phones. You had that big, when you worked Monster for, box, you yeah. had that big, but that was Motorola. after, that was when you worked for like uh, E.T. Brown and, and you had the, we were working in Stroudsburg. So I remember you had your yeah. pickup truck. That's when you had the cell phone. When we went to Shahola. the cell phone. I had the one in the box. A mobile a phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A mobile phone. Yep. So we had. So when we went up there, though, from 81, 82 until probably 90, like those first nine or 10 years, there were no oh, cell phones. No. It was only a landline. If you called right. and you didn't get, you were gone. You were gone for the weekend. But then you went up there and you and Sammy, uh, friends of ours, we have some uh, like family to us uh, from Cuban family that lived in Bergenfield, um, Yolanda and Sam. And their son, uh, Juan, they were super cool, basically a part of our family. You yeah. worked with her at, at Fabergé? Okay. So they worked together when they worked for Fabergé, and they just became like a part of our family. And then um, 
eventually they moved back to Miami and Yoli passed away uh, probably five years ago at yeah, least. at least. Uh, five or six years ago. But Sam's down there. Sam's a, Sam's a good dude. He's come up here to visit us in Tampa. We're going to try to go visit them down in Miami. But they would basically meet us every weekend in Shahola. They knew how to get there and they would just go up and meet us. And they then, really helped. I mean, and then they built the house. So what we had done was... We had the trailer in one spot. We had the pop-up trailer in another spot. And then we built this house, and it's called like a salt box. So it's got like a roof that comes up, and then it pitches to a steep cut, and then goes straight down the back. And uh, we had the frame built. We had a company come in and just put the foundation and build the frame of the house. So it was a shell. And And what you didn't know, Mommy's mother had 18 brothers and sisters. Okay. And we were in Shahola, and I don't know how it came about. But I met this man, Frank Platt was his name. Right. It ended up with Mommy's sister, Aunt Lillian. Mm-hmm. And I had never met them. We became such friends that I used to have to hide when I got up there because they always wanted us over their house. She would make us meals. Yeah, they lived off every- like Twin Lakes Drive, right? right? On Twin Lakes Drive. On Twin Lakes, yeah. yeah. Uh, and she would always call and say, oh, I have supper ready. Come now, blah, blah, blah. And I got him to go back to church. <laughs> so we... Oh, so he had stopped going to church and then on Saturday nights... And I used to go all the time. Okay, so you bring it up. So let's talk about this church, okay? So the church in Shahola, Pennsylvania, mm. right on the Barryville Bridge, right ac- I mean, literally right five minutes, a walk, a five-minute walk across a bridge from to the New church York. to New York. That's how close we're talking, right on the Delaware River. Church mass would begin at seven and literally be done with communion out the door by seven thirty. Everything buttoned Not up. Not even that long. And I, yeah, and I'm being generous. Depends on how many people were in the church. So that was going to church there compared to growing up in Woodridge, which an is hour. an hour minimum. Every other word is sung with operatic uh, yeah. inflection, and uh, that that mass would take forever. And then uh, and then we'd go to Shahola, and it would be like, all right, we're gonna go to mass and say, if I had to go to church, if I was getting stuck going to church. Let's go. I'd go there, and it was in and out, and you were in and out quick, and had this little old, this little old. I remember him as a little old priest, kind of like a Benny Hill yeah, looking type of guy, the bald guy on Benny Hill, like a little short. Like someone tapping it's him on the head. Very nice guy. Um, but then, so then you lived there for a while alone, and then what? Like, do you remember? Like the the thing I the only thing I ever remember like getting hunt, shot, and killed on, on uh, the whole time we were there was a snake. I remember yeah. that, right there was a snake in the yard, a giant rattler, right? And a rock. We had a big flat rock. Across from our steps to get on the deck, and I had mm, Max, the golden retriever, saw it. Saw it, and he went into a point position. He got down and he was growling. I didn't see the snake, and I look up and there's this had to be two and a half inches around. He was big. I remember him being big, but I was little. I was fat, but I was still little. I panicked. I'm going. I don't want the dog to get bit. I didn't want to get bit. Surely, and I'm going. Dorothy, Dorothy, get me my gun. <laughs> what did you use? You used like a long barrel thirty-eight. I used the regular thirty-eight. Or th- thirty-eight. Regular thirty-eight. I shot it five times. It didn't die. And then finally Scott came. And however, you know, he's had snakes. He grabbed it by the neck, and he slit the neck. Yeah. And then he skinned it right there. He said, "You want to eat it?" He was going to cook it up, huh? Yeah, mommy said, if you'll eat it, I'll cook it. And he's, no, 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 that's okay, that's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was pure, pure white inside. Right, yeah, yeah. It's muscle, I mean, it's yeah. right, it's strong. Um, so that's and, like the only thing we killed, right? What yeah. else, anything else? Like, I mean, maybe maybe no. like with a BB gun, I shot chipmunks. I don't really remember doing a lot yeah, of that. from the deck, the back, 
Yeah. The kitchen deck. Yeah, it wasn't fair. The deer, it wasn't fair. I mean, there, we could have 50 or 100 deer walking through our driveway on any given day. And the neighbor behind us, I forget his name, his son got killed. Right. Jumping a turnstile in New York. Right. And he used, it was a, a road that went behind our house. That's what I said. Yeah. Property. Right. And he used to go out there and shoot a deer three, four times a year. And his wife would cook it. And so they always had... Yeah, they ate it, right, yeah. yeah. I, I, I mean, I tried it one time when I was younger. It just mm. seemed very rubbery and kind of, like, gamey. I yeah, mean, yeah, as yeah. it should be. They're athletic. They're jumping over. Right. Like, you know, that was the coolest thing is being, like, 10, 11, 12 years old and a deer, like a wild animal, not in a petting zoo, not anywhere, just literally on your property, just hanging out and, like, walking up to you to almost to the point where they take the food out of your hand. That scared me one night. I used to get out early. Mommy had to work. Till five, it and she would take the train many times. Right, that's right. We should. So do that. I would pick her up in Port Jervis. Maybe we'd go out to dinner and then go home. So we'd get there around nine o'clock, and I'm unloading the car and I hear footsteps. And there was a TV show, Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer, and the, Rudolph's girlfriend's name was Clarice. Yep. So I named the deer Clarice, and I yelled Clarice, and this damn deer comes walking out to the trunk of my car. She didn't back off, didn't run. So I always kept a five-gallon pail of corn. Right, cornmeal. Right. So I could throw it out and have the deer. And they never came up on the deck and just took it? No. The only thing that came up on the deck was the bear. The bear on the trailer. And uh. he scared the hell out of me one time because he was up the road by Haviland's house. Remember John Haviland? I do. And a couple houses up the road. Yeah. And the deer, the bear was up there. And he walked out of Haviland's driveway and he started looking at me down the road by our driveway. And he started coming down. Not running, just stepping, coming towards me. So I got the door. Come on, let's get in the house. And we got in the house. He followed me right to our deck and went to the bottom of the steps at the deck and then went away. <laughs> I said, oh, uh, didn't yeah. want to take that chance. And then another time, I was talking to Mommy on the phone, and I'm talking to her, and I see a bear come out of the woods from our kitchen window, looking out the back. Right. Came down the driveway, jumped over the wall, and laid in front of the garage door. <laughs> and while I'm talking, I see the cutest little teddy bear head pop up. Then another, and then another. Cubs? Three little cubs. Came down and they just laid by her. <laughs> she stayed for an hour. That's the one I That's threw cool. the Oreo cookies to. And it ate them. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm but, sure. Uh, I mean, I thought it was great because it was a place where it was quiet, not a lot of noise, and uh, when mommy got to like it, and eventually she did get to like it. She used to go up by herself during the week, right? And. Uh, then it became really good because in the beginning, she didn't want to go there. She thought it was, you know. Oh, and you were building a place. We yeah, didn't really have a place a to be. And the funniest thing was, Sammy and I, as we were building, we put up sheetrock. We didn't know that sheetrock should go up horizontally, not vertically. Right. So we struggled our ass putting it up the way we thought it went up. Right. And the next week on Bob Vila, they, did it like they this. showed it how to do it. 
Yeah. So did you switch it up? Did you no, guys? No, it, no, was no. it was already up. It was already up. Yeah. I remember just like the spackling guys coming in oh. and spackling those walls. And the house got built up to the point where it was cozy. And then you put a an addition on. Like we took our, when we built the house, the salt box is square. And then we put decks on the front and decks on the back. And then at one point we screened in the back deck. So like from the kitchen, you can go out and we had like this screened in lanai type porch, of thing, yeah. porch. And sit out there like in the late summer when there was a breeze coming through. Because you're on a mountain. The altitude's higher. Oh. It's always a little bit chillier at night type of deal. Never but, used air um, So the, uh, a couple of times we did need. I mean, it was a few times in the oh, summer. Right it was hot, brutal yeah. hot. Um, and then uh, off that, we put a deck around the back of the house. And then what my parents did is built a... A sunken bedroom, like a master suite that had a bedroom, almost like a sitting office and area, door and a door out for a hot tub. Hot tub, yeah. So they had the hot tub went right off their room, and then if you went around the deck on the backside, you can get right into the and hot tub from there. In the winter, there would be snow up to that hot tub, so that would had to be snow drifts of four feet on the walls on outside the walls. where uh, the room it was in. And you're in this hot tub, and you can see the snow. It was really nice. Oh, it was yeah. nice. It was. I mean, when it was like zero, like negative three degrees, and you're in the middle of January up there, and you have, you know, electricity and propane and all that stuff's already yeah. there, so you don't got to worry about that stuff. And then uh, you just go sit in the hot tub and soak in it. But uh, like right now, I, that's what I miss. I can't even go in the hot tub because of my back. I still have the opening in my back. Uh, and the hot tubs, you can't get in the hot tub. It's kind of like a, it's like an obstacle Definitely, course. Yeah. yeah, it's too much. But, um, and what else? What other stuff about Shahola? I mean, did, did you like, if you had a preference, would you have liked... To maybe just stay in Yulin and have access to the lake? Or did no. you like being in Shahola and taking I the boat out? I thought Yulin was great, but we bought that because my uh, accountant. accountant, Mark Gittleman, who shouldn't have said that, That's okay. but Mark said, you need a tax shelter. He said, buy another house. You need that. Right. I was making too much money. Right. I don't know how. I don't didn't ever think that. Mommy never thought that. But anyway... So we said, well, let's buy it up here. It'll be easier. It'll be a little cheaper. And we could write right. expenses off, which we did. Right. And it worked great. Um, the house was nice. It was an old laundromat. So the la- and, and it was next to a Boy Scout camp. That's what made the laundromat a success. Right. So the, the kids would be at the camp and they'd just walk down, you know. Get themselves cleaned up. Get their clothes cleaned. Get their clothes cleaned at the laundromat. Right. And uh, then I had a road cut in. Along the side. And then weaved in. winded down to the lake. Right, because we couldn't do a straight shot. A straight shot would have just caught in the mud and you'd never be able to get it. It was too steep. So it had to kind of wind through one section of the property just to slowly grade down or else you wouldn't have been able to get there. We had a trailer down there at one point. We we left that little rowboat, that little 10-foot boat there for a while. But the tenants fucked with it. They vandalized it, right? Or somebody vandalized it. Somebody vandalized it. They broke into the trailer. Yeah. And messed it up on me. All the and way up. That was a brand new trailer yeah. that a friend of mine, I won't mention his name, got me. He worked for Mac Construction, which was a big contractor up north. Right. And he said to me, that's your place. You wanted something nice? I got it for you. I said, wow. What accent is that? Is that Italian? He was the Italian guy. Okay, just checking. His name was Aldo. And uh, he, he says, come to your place. I'll bring it to where, you, where I worked. And I go there, and there's this 20-foot, all-oak interior, pretty trailer. Right. And then I got Bob Decker. To tow it. Trailed it up there and towed it and put it in place for me. And where, it, where did that, where, where did you put that? Down in the, the lake. By the lake in, yeah. in Newland. Yeah, 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 I remember that. 
I had a clearing put in. Yeah, they at the bottom. Did the road, and then he made me a clearing right. so I could put the trailer. Yeah, and we didn't use that enough. We didn't. I mean, I didn't, didn't use it. Utilize it, it enough. I mean, we, we, I was already kind of getting out of high school by the time you got that. Like I was, yeah. I was almost out of high school, and I was getting ready to leave for college, and and uh, I didn't really have. I wasn't around a lot for. But one of the memories that. I remember, Brian used to come up with his friends, right? And they used to go to Shahola Falls fishing. Right. And they did fish because one time they came home with 30 fish. Right. And they asked mommy to cook them. And mommy don't know how to cook, right. didn't know how to cook fish. Right. It wasn't her so thing. She just fried them up and they ate them all. We were like, oh my God. I forget. I know Speranza was one of them. I don't know who the rest of them Probably like, uh, uh, God, why can't I think of his name? Jeff. Russo. Russo. Yeah. Speranza. Speranza. Click that he, he had a little group, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Je- I think Jeff passed away. I know Ralph Russo. Pa- I know Ralph passed away recently, uh, and I don't know about Jeff, but at least wow. I'm friends with Lisa. She's uh, on social media, oh. um, talk here and there. But but yeah, that's uh, that was his little crew of guys that would go up there and go fishing. And he always wanted to kill shit, though. He always wanted to shoot. Brian always wanted to like shoot a deer from the deck and not have to do anything and just watch it drop or fall. And he did, somewhere. and he did one time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and then I just remember getting pissed off. Like, we have all these deer come here to hang, you know, and we, well, it's a safe place. what was the lady's name at the end of the I don't know. She don't, was a little she, crazy. She had a herd of 80 deer yeah, she on fed the them. property. She fed them every night yep. with a five-gallon pail of corn. And Probably not good. Not good. But on hunting season, because all these guys used to see all the deer in her yard, hunting season, they used to park on that road. German Hill Road, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They would park there. There'd be six cars. And the guys would get out of the car with their guns waiting for the deer to come to shoot them. Yeah. So I used to call the state troopers. And tell them there's people there. And there's people with guns on the street. You're not allowed to do that. Right. It's a no-no. Yeah, it's too close to property. Right. You miss. You could, you could fly through. So then it finally stopped. But that was a, a, a an experience, too. Right. Because all these guys used to get so pissed off. And I used to go up. We would, mommy would go to the Wonder Bread store. I think it was in Moonaki. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And buy loaves of bread. Yep. And we would go up. And as we got on the road, the deer from her property <laughs> used to come to our car. They would put their head in the window, in the window. of the car, I remember that. and you'd hand them little slices Take of bread, it and they'd go. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. That was crazy. Like just to see that kind of stuff so close yeah. and up remember front. Remember when we shot the rattlesnake? That was a big snake. Yeah, you just said that. You yeah. mentioned that. All right. And. Uh, Brian was, would go fishing, and I just thought it was a nice place for me. My job was a pain in the neck. It was hectic. Do you remember, like, uh, so the, the building of the house was just, like, kind of a stress relief. It well, was it take, something to take your mind off of work. I had the guy build a foundation. Then I met the brothers. Right, you I said. I get their name. And we said that. Built the, built the shell and of the house. built the shell of the house, but nothing interior, just a shell. Right. It was two by four walls. And Sammy and I started to sheetrock it, and we sheetrocked the kitchen and realized how hard that was. Right. And then we were going to try and spackle it, and I met these, I don't know how, met two guys who were spacklers. Right. And they came and said, yeah, we'll spackle the room for you. Right. And they said, do you want the rest of the sheetrock put up? And it cost me $300, and they sheetrocked the house. Right. Now, that's like... You couldn't do that. Right, right, right. Now you got to wait three weeks for a contractor just to yeah, call you back to, to come back. give you an estimate. 
And so the house got <laughs> done fast. Mommy liked it better because now she was in the house. Right. Um, we, I did have heat put in right away. Ele- well, yeah, you kind of have to. Yeah, it got cold in the winter. It really did right. get cold. I mean, you guys also did, before they even got the sheetrock, you guys also did all the insulation. We did all the insulation um, and some wiring. Out. Yeah, that's just scary. I think Edward came up. Oh, well, that's not so scary. better than us. Right. And he wired one of the rooms for us. And that was good. Then I met an electrician who was a friend of Steve Hess. He, he worked with Steve, and he wired the house. And, and I, Steve again, was, Hess, just to background, Steve Hess was like a, a GC that could basically do anything, anything you wanted. wanted done. He, he actually remodeled my house in Woodridge, and he came down and remodeled that, uh, the kitchen, and put yeah. some stuff in. So, yeah, he's, he's really good and at he what he does, cheap. and he wasn't super expensive, yeah. Right. So you were saying he told Steve Hess, you see, you met him through Steve Hess, was an electrician, and he yeah. ended up doing a lot of the electrical? He did all of it. He, he wired the house for us, so I right. knew it was done, and Edward started it. Right. But then... That's a know, lot. That's a lot of wiring yeah, to Edward run through the wall. the high stuff. Right. But uh, it was... I loved it. Uh, I thought we were going to end up living there. Mm, it's tough. And I was trying to figure out how I was going to tell Mommy about that, but... Uh, I think Florida was a better a better avenue yeah, to go. Yeah, well, Maria had the place here, and she used to take Mommy once a month to Venice. Right. And uh, they invited me down in March. In fact, you and Scott and Brian were at my house, at the house in Woodridge, helping me shovel my car out of the driveway. I'll never forget. Right, for you to fly down to... No, and the phone rang, and it was Mommy, and she says, what are you doing? I said, shoveling this snow. We had a lot of snow. I said, why? What are you doing? She said, oh, we're just going to the beach. She said, it's about 75, 80 degrees right, right now, and we're going to go lay in the sun. <laughs> okay, I'll yeah, see you in a couple this. days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's enough to sell you on it right there alone. Yeah, I remember just you calling home and being like, oh, hey, what's going on? And I'm like, hey, what's up? So you're like, oh, it's been raining here the past day or two. Well, guess what we did? And I'm like, you bought a house. And you were like, "Yep, we bought a house, and that was Sunset Beach, and we lived. We had that house for a while. That we, was a cute house. You I, guys I should have yeah, never sold it. Bounced back and forth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. bounced. That was still when you were kind of snowbirding. Like you weren't right. fully, fully in Florida, Floridian jet. You were just kind of moving right. back and forth. Um, and but that house couldn't. Really, I mean, even the house in, on uh, even the house. It was too small because it was only two bedrooms. Right, and it was like a split split floor plan with bedroom on one side and the other but and then the water system stunk the stunk yeah it all it sulfur. smelled like sulfur yeah, yeah 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 i remember that but then even when you got into the house on Kimball, that house at the beginning was seemed really big and then by the time we were moving out it just seemed small compared yeah. to compared to the space here right but uh but yeah so out of all that stuff like you i mean you had woodridge you had shahola yulin sunset beach all the different houses you at lived in time, as an adult i owned six properties Six, Shahola, Ewellyn, Woodridge, 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 and, and Florida. Yep. Florida. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's probably like 2000, 2001, too. I don't know what I, I said to mommy. We got to do something about this. We got to start selling or something. Because yeah, too much shit scattered all over the place, too. We couldn't take care of the right. taxes and everything. Right, right, right. right. Yeah, so we, I mean, out of all that stuff, though, would you say which, like, what, what's the one that's, closest to your heart like if you think of a memory of a place you lived or a property you had that you had something go on oh i loved shola more than woodridge Woodridge. i grew up in woodridge so Uh you know it was like 
did you love Woodridge? It, it just it has never changed. It's, right. a, it's the same thing it's been it's since same, probably 1950. It is the same thing. Uh, there were some memories in Woodridge. I remember when Billy Martin was in, and who was this? You were his paper boy? Billy Martin. Billy Martin, the manager of the Yankees. No, I think it was Brian or something. Brian. And he lived in one of the condos. Right on the coast. Yeah, yeah. That was one cool thing about Woodridge is just back then, before athletes started making $50 million, you had guys that were, you know, like, in there was a supermarket in IGA. You'd see players in, like, like, Farting around in the store while you were in the store yeah. buying stuff. I mean, I remember always seeing guys like like players from the Giants. Dave Maggett was a running right. back. Uh, Mark Collins was a defensive back. Seeing them on um, at Seven Eleven, just kind of like hanging out with with and guys. When I lived first moved to Woodridge. There were uh, wrestlers because the wrestlers wrestled in New York, right? And they all the one of the two trail parks. I don't know which one it was had day rates. You right. could rent a trailer for the day. Right. And they used to rent them for a day, a week, whatever it was, the time they were going to be in New in York there. City. Right. And they had all these wrestlers. I went to school with uh, Antonino Rocco. I don't know if that was a name, but he was a one of the champions, and his kids were in my class. Right. Um, it was cool. Uh, I mean, but that's, you're talking about, if they're wrestling, professional wrestling, and that you graduated in 1962... You're talking about the '50s wrestling. That's not yeah. really. That's well, that's prehistoric. That's prehistoric, but it was still wrestling. It was, but it wasn't on TV and shit at night. They were just playing. They were just wrestling at venues. There was no right. 1950s programming right, for wrestling. Right, right, it was right. Ozzy and Harriet or whatever no, was on no. TV. Or I right. love Lucy. Um, yeah, so so that's kind of cool though. But I mean, that's different. I mean, seeing Giant play like Don and I were in Seven Eleven one night. And Mark Collins was a defensive back who played on the Giants' first Super Bowl team. Pulled in in like a, a 350Z or, you know, something like that. Some sort, oh, no, a Corvette. It was like a red Corvette or something like that. And he, uh, he was cool as shit. We're like, yo, Mark Collins, what's going on? And he's like, hey, guys, how you doing? Talk to us. He said, you want to see my Super Bowl ring? It was right after they just won this, like, probably, probably the following fall after they won the Super Bowl. And uh, it, he was just cool as shit. And then we've seen other guys like Dave Maggett was a douche. He was like, we, we didn't want to talk to anybody, scooted in, scooted out, just kind of the same way he played, scooted in and ran around and scooted around the field. That's how he was a football player. That's how he d- ditched and dodged us at 7-Eleven when we were kids. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of somebody else famous. I mean, like I, I worked at Kentucky Fried Chicken when I was in high school, and I met Carl Banks in there. He's a player for the Giants. I also met him later on. Uh, Scott and I went to some... I want to say memorabilia show, but I don't remember what it was. It was something else in Sea Caucus at like their yeah. convention center. Well, that's where the convention, right? Was. So we, that's where I used to work before I moved to before I moved back to Atlanta in 2008. I worked right there, but at that convention center, we went and I remember seeing like Carl Banks and Otis Anderson. And I even have a one of the helmets if you see behind me uh, up on the rack there. One of them is signed by Otis Anderson, Super Bowl MVP, and Carl Banks at this this <clears> show we went to. Um, part of all my my giant stuff over there and. I worked in Sea Caucus, and I had a second building. I do care was back there, and back in you know, I want to say in the woods. It wasn't in the woods. In the swamp. Swamp, and uh, you used to see them all there. And most of the guys were very friendly. I didn't know who right. they were. Right, you, know, you didn't I don't follow have it. Any idea, right? But uh, hmm. it's funny. I was telling us telling a story. Uh, <laughs> As a little kid, I I remember you didn't go to you weren't into the sports stuff. You didn't get into it, but it got me into it. 
And I remember I was a little kid. I was probably it's probably five or six. I was 77, 78-ish. O.J. Anderson was playing, not O.J. Anderson, O.J. Simpson was playing for the San Francisco 49ers at that point, and the Giants were playing the 49ers, and I remember you saying to me, it was getting cold. Like, I was I was even a pussy back then. I didn't want to go to cold weather games. I was fat, bundled up, sitting in a tight little chair in Giant Stadium, the wind blowing in, freezing my balls off. Like, it, it wasn't appealing to me even as a little kid to do yeah. that, but... Um, but we ended up going, you're like, oh, you got to go see OJ Anderson's one, uh, OJ Simpson's one of the greatest running backs in the history of football. Uh, you, you know, you're not, you're going to get a chance to see, uh, the future, uh, double homicide murderer <laughs> stabbing his way through the Giants lineup in 1978. But that's how I got hooked. I remember going to that game and the Giants just sucked. I mean, I started really getting into them when they came in 76, I think, to Giant Stadium. So like 77, 78, the first years they were there. And uh, Joe Pisarczyk was the quarterback, and then they got Phil Sims, and then they had this guy Scott Bruner. But that's how I got hooked. And I remember you you just saying to me, "Oh, you got to go see OJ Simpson, OJ Simpson, OJ Simpson." I had a friend. Do you remember Ken Avalon? Well, that was at Madison Square Garden. I yeah, was talking was, about that the other day. I was telling somebody about that the other day. He uh, he was a good friend. He, uh, so the Ken Avalon story is Kevin Avalon kind of had a straight job uh, working in like the cosmetics business right he was, a salesman. he was a salesman for a cosmetics company and then at night he moonlighted as a usher at madison square garden so enter me into ken avalon's life he worked with my dad did business with my dad so my dad just says to me one night if you're going to the garden just ask for ken avalon when you get there so i go in i ask for ken avalon and i have decent seats the first time i go you know i hadn't been, never been to madison square garden before i go there i Meet up with Ken Avalon. He said, listen, he goes, where's your seats? He showed him. He goes, oh, you got decent seats. He goes, listen, from now on, come buy the cheapest seat you can possibly find, whatever the cheapest thing is in the upper deck in the fifth level of Madison Square Garden, whatever. And then when you get here to the front, just say, hey, look, what gate is Ken Avalon working? If they tell you I'm not working, ask for a guy by the name of John Dwyer, and I'll tell him you're one of my guys, or you can tell him when you see him. And... $10, a $10 bill, no more, no less, just hand the usher, ten, me or John, $10, and you will sit in the lower level right by the, you know, the floor the rest of the night. So next time I go, and I always like to go on, they always, the Knicks always play on Martin Luther King Day, so I would always go to that game every year because it was during the day, it was easy to get to, jump on the 163 right into Port Authority and then walk a couple blocks from Port Authority right down to the garden, you know, six blocks. So, uh, and they're both right on like 8th. 8th Avenue or 9th Avenue, yeah, whatever it is. Eighth. So uh, so uh, I would buy this cheap $30 ticket. I would go to the gate. I would They would say, oh, Ken's at uh, section 106, which is like the friggin' floor. And I would walk to Ken's gate, and I'd show him my ticket. He's like, hey, sir, how you doing tonight? I'd give him the $10 with my ticket when I handed it to him. He'd take the money, take the ticket. Look, he goes, okay, follow me with my shitty ticket that's the fifth level. He'd take me, usher me down to right behind the Knicks bench. Like the first time I go, right behind the Knicks bench, like 10 feet from Jeff Van Gundy yelling at Latrell Sprewell and Allen Houston, like going, yeah, all right, this is cool. Like hearing what he's saying in the huddle. Like, listen, you got to move the ball, but like that's how close I am to this. So I'm sitting in somebody else's seat, obviously. Say, you know, in middle of the first quarter, the people whose seat I'm in come and they show up and Ken would always come down and say, sir, can I see your ticket, please? And he would look at my ticket and go, oh, no, no, sorry, you're not in this seat. You're like one row forward or one row back. And I would sit in that seat. People would come and sit in their seat. Everything was copacetic. 
And then he, we would do that probably two or three times throughout the game. When people would come, he would just yeah, kind of shuffle said, me. as long as you're not afraid to move. And to move around. And then the funny part would be there would be like one night I'm at the Garden and I'm sitting there and it's kind of in the thir- late third quarter and actually the Knicks were decent. I think they were blowing somebody out, but I was hanging till the end and a bunch of kids run in front of me, like four or five kids. Like I say kids, like maybe 20, 18, 20 young kids. And uh, Ken comes over like a cat, just pounces. He goes, excuse me, boys. Can I see your ticket stub? And he's leaning over them, and he looks back at me, and then row right behind him, and he just kind of gives me a little, a little wink, saying like, "I got you covered. Watch what I do to these guys that don't have, that didn't pay the usher the ten dollars." And he goes, "Nah, boys, come on, get your seats. You're in the upper tier. Get out of here. Come on, let's go. You got to go. Boop, beat it. Go try it somewhere else." And kicks him out. So he's just laughing, and he's like giving me a wink, like, yeah, "I got this. Don't worry he about it." So he was a good guy. And then I, you know, I did that for years. Um, before we moved, before we moved uh, back to Atlanta, but uh, he was a good guy. That was a cool memory of uh, one of the guys you work with. And then Demarecki, Demarecki was the moped. You said, yeah, yeah. The moped guy. He brought the moped up, and then um, the other cool thing too was your job every year. Stop. Norman, come on, hey, Norman. hey. He would. Uh, you had all these contacts at like these trucking companies that oh. would ship and do. So we not only went to like the the do care company picnic. We were always invited to like the fishing, the the consolidated freightways, CF truckings party. party, and and uh, roadway or whatever the other truck. Like there was like two or three trucking companies, and they always have them at like water parks or like I think I think one year we went to Action Park and like actually survived it. Like Action Park. You got to see documentaries on Action Park talking about the shit that went on there, how people died and how it was totally unsafe and they really? got sued. Oh, yeah. They re- Cordy and I went. Cordy and I went in like 2007. We were living in, in Jersey and we went in 2007 and it was still open. Like it reopened under a different name. It wasn't Action Park. It was like Mountain Creek or something like that. But yeah, we went to one of their, their company picnics there. I remember doing that. Um, so we got all sorts of like little swag, like uh, from oh, those those companies. I ha- I had big contracts that I had to give out, and the trucking they're keeping you happy. Come, they wanted me to be happy. Well, it's funny. I was I just got a haircut today, and I got my hair my hair braided and all that stuff. And the girl goes and puts some stuff on me. She shaved my head. She put some stuff on my head, and it smelled like brute. So she said something. And I said, "Oh my god, it smells just like brute." And she's like, "Fabergé brute." I'm like, "Fabergé brute," and she's like. Man, that's old school. I said, yeah, I had an attic full of Fabergé eggs, Fabergé green bottles with the twist-off caps. We had cases of Fabergé just, I don't know if they were seconds or what was wrong with them or what, but in our attic in New Jersey, in Woodridge, on 4th Street. Yeah, there was something that, even the, the, the metal thing that hung on. Hung on, the buckle. Was it right yeah, or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we had cases of that shit in our attic, and it was like, couldn't go through it fast enough. And then we'd, I'd always have some crazy, like, Dracar was the, ooh, Dracar. If you wore Dracar back in the yeah. late 80s, or like, like mid to late 80s, early 90s, you were wearing Dracar Noir. It was like pff, mullet. You had a mullet in the 80s, and Dracar was, like, the thing. But I think I, at one time, you had something like 40 different bottles of cologne. Yeah, it was ridiculous. And I liked, I mean, I liked, uh, the, there was a Perry Ellis one I really liked, and I a liked small Perry little Ellis. bottle was good. Um, some of them are just, like... Like Calvin Klein Obsession, I actually accidentally broke a bottle of Calvin Klein's Obsession in a like a like a duffel bag type thing. I had clothes in there, and I went to throw it in the back of one of my trucks, and I didn't have carpeting down, and the glass bottle hit right on the metal of the back oh. of the truck, and I didn't realize it, and it just kind of just seeped 
all in, permeated. Oh my god, the back of the truck stunk, <laughs> the bag stunk. Every bit of clothes stunk. I washed them like five or six times. Everywhere where I carried the bag, it was like pig pen. I was carrying a dusty bag instead of dust and dirt like pig pen. I was carrying obsession. Like if you would see if I was a cartoon, there'd be a, bo- a cloud of obsession following me everywhere I went, <laughs> and it just stunk and permeated through everything. And you're like, ugh. Never could do Obsession again. I mean, I like some of the other Calvin Klein stuff, but it is pungent. Um, But we had a ton of that, and then we had makeup. I mean, like every girlfriend I had growing up got makeup. And then the end of the road, I was working at AXA in Secaucus, working in the call center, and we were getting rid of cosmetics out of the attic. I said, just give me boxes of it. I'll bring it to work and give it away. It's like Christmas. Just come take it. Come shopping here. And I put a box in my cubicle, like, like a... Three foot by two foot box full of cosmetics. Women would come in from my, that's how everybody knew me in the company. They'd come in, my desk was right at the end of an aisle, right across from the the, the VP. Boxes, shit there, and girls would just come. Every girl that worked there would come and pick through it and grab whatever stuff they wanted and it would clear out. The next day, I'd bring another box and dump it into that box, and a whole other fleet of women from another <laughs> department, from another uh, product we sold at the Made time would come. And they, yeah, absolutely, they all came and they uh, were like, oh man, you, I, somebody did say there was someone that had some cosmetics and shit in here. And it, I mean, and my friend, you don't remember her, my friend Shonda. She came to our wedding, a uh, black girl from Newark. She bought me a bottle of cologne, uh, which I still wear to this day. It's Dolce Gabbana. It's light blue. Nice. And Courtney loved the smell of it. And she's like, oh, I want to get you a bottle of that. I'm like, don't worry about it. I still have a lot of the bottle that Shonda gave me. And now we had been dating a while. She's like, who the fuck is Shonda giving you a bottle of cologne at Christmas uh, and you have a girlfriend? And I'm like, she, you know, you'll see when you meet her. And Shonda's like a, like my buddy. Like she's like a... a she, we were like, you know, one of the guys. wanted to, yeah, she was one of the guys, but she ended up buying that for me, I think, because she had, had gotten so much stuff from that cosmetics bucket, she wanted to pay me back to thank me, and then Courtney's <laughs> getting wind of it, and then finally Courtney worked in, in New Jersey and met her, and Shonda ended up coming to our wedding in Georgia, she drove down from, uh, from New Jersey to come to the wedding in Georgia, so, uh, but yeah, so that, we got, that's how I thinned out the herd at, of all that cosmetics stuff, I mean, what a waste. Three boys in the house and it was all this cosmetics and yeah. perfume and shit and none of us ever dug it. But I always carried in my pockets a couple sticks of lipstick. And you can't believe we had to wait online to get into some place and you would give the hostess a couple sticks of lipstick. And they were pretty colors. I always brought the most popular The brightest shit, yeah. And you got right in. It was... So greasing the wheels of the yeah. the restaurant with lipstick worked every time, worked huh? For me. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think that would probably be pretty easy unless you got a big giant bouncer, like a six foot six, no, no, no. black dude that weighed three hundred and eighty pounds, and you go to hand them some lipstick. He'd be fucked up if he took it though, right? <laughs> He'd be like, "Oh, sure, I'll take that." He'd be like, "Oh, wait a minute, I don't know. I'm not trusting this situation now. All of a sudden, you big yeah. giant monster with." Picking up some lipstick. What are you doing on the weekends when you're not working, weirdo? There was a place across from the Port Jervis Diner, another restaurant. I forget the name of it. And they knew me as the lipstick man. Across the street from the Port Jervis Diner. Yeah, you know what Port Jervis Diner was? Yeah, if you were going up, it was on the left. If you were going up, it was on the left. On the right, there was another restaurant. I don't remember that. I don't remember ever going there. I remember going to the Port Jervis Diner. I liked the Port Jervis Diner. it was nice. It was like a little hole in the wall, and you're like starving by the time you get there after an hour. Go up there one more time just to see what your hole looks like. That how we how could we possibly do that? We can't. 
I mean, I can't, I can't wheel you on gravel the no, driveway. Um, it would be basically a drive-by. It would be a 24-hour yeah. road trip for a drive-by. No, how many pit that. stops we'd have to take between the amount but of times like you and I both pee? What it turned into. I wish I knew somebody who would take pictures for me. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I mean, I could easily get there and take pictures of it. Maybe next time I go to New Jersey, if I rent a car, I'll just drive out for the day. One of the days that I'm there. It, it served its purpose for us. I yeah. Mean, it was a great getaway. Yeah. You know, it's just the hard part was you were in Florida and everything's a stone's throw away. You want to go to Outback. It's right down well, the street. You need gas. It's right there. And Shaholi, you had to drive five miles just to get yeah, a round get. trip to get a loaf of bread. It's right. kind of a pain in the ass. I, and honestly, I don't think as built up as that whole area is, western New Jersey, Sussex, Essex, Essex County, Sussex County, as much as that's built up, I still... There's no that's the, Shahola where it's nestled. You might get some houses right. here and there, but that's in the mountains. No, you know, an hour and a half outside New York City in the mountains where it's secluded. And in Eldred, that's where Howard Stern had a house. And uh, who was the other guy? His know? summer camp. His wasn't his summer camp up Something, that way. Yeah, he went to a camp up there, and then Imus had a place. Yeah. Somewhere there, too. So. And then I just bought a ranch out in, like, Arizona or yeah. Palm Springs or something and was helping kids that were dying right. till, till he passed away. You know, did you see Larry King died? No. Larry King died last week. Oh. Larry King, it was three people. It was Hank Aaron, it was Larry King, and it was somebody else. Oh, I think a woman. But, yeah, three three people. That's you know, but, Personalities. Yep, there. Larry King. Larry King... <laughs> I saw a clip on TV where he was talking to a guy who was like in a like a he was the voice of a Disney character. Yeah. And he's like so Larry's like, So what is the benefits about, you know, what is something that you're is special that you that you really like now that you're famous, you know, wealthy and famous and blah 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 that you they a, a creature comfort thing and the guy's like, Well, I love really comfortable socks and he's like socks Larry King's like socks? I'm not talking about socks. Like what's something that's like like a, a like a private jet, and, and the guy just looked at Larry King deadpan. And he's like, "Larry, I'm I'm a voiceover actor. I don't have a private jet." And Larry was like, "Oh shit! Like, let me move the conversation off to something else. Like, what kind of baller do you have to be when you're like, oh, my creature comfort is a private jet?" Larry yeah. King, uh, he was nuts. And then um, they had uh, and Henry Hank Aaron just. You know, Hank Aaron was one of these people that was consistent his entire life. Like yeah. he wasn't like super great one season and shitty the next. Well, he was season, just consistent. He was super special. I don't know where consistent. I was working. Yeah, yeah, consistent. Well, it was the early seventies. He broke when he broke Babe Ruth's record. Yes. It hit seven fifteen in Atlanta, getting death threats every day from white supremacist, white racists <laughs> that were in the probably the town that I lived in while I was in Georgia. But back in nineteen seventy two, it was you want to talk about changing of a difference of how a world is from oh. from a short period of time. I mean, I remember I lived in Atlanta in the early 90s, and then I moved back in uh, in 08, and it was like a totally different... Like, there was shit that was not even there when I lived there in the 90s that was now, like, malls and plazas and yeah, subway I, stations, and you're like, Jesus, none of this stuff was here before. So, and there's some stuff in Atlanta that's kind of hokey. So, like, you know how they have 285 that runs around the city, right? 285 is the, yeah, the city, right, right, right? right? The loop. And then there's 75 and 85 come in. They meet in Atlanta. They kind of run together through Atlanta. And then 85 goes southwest, and 75 comes straight south into Tampa, right? Yes. So, um, so they have a subway called MARTA, Metropolitan Atlanta Rapid Transit Authority, MARTA. 
that runs in like a T inside that circle of 285. So if you overlap the subway lines, you'd see that it runs like a T. There's a couple little offshoots, one kind of split up in the, as you got northeast, northeast it kind of splits off whatever. But they actually stop the top end North Marta line before it gets to the Forsyth County line, you know, probably about 15 miles south of the Forsyth County line. They just stop it because Forsyth County has informed Atlanta that they do not want the subway bringing people from the city out to yeah. as far as out to them. Wow. So it's some, I mean, it's 2021 and there's still, still shit like that that goes on. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, yeah. uh, it's kind of crazy, but, um, you know, I'm surprised. I mean, I, you know, you hear about certain stuff, and you're like, I can't possibly still be true that way. Or, but, it is. but it's there's a lot of that that goes on. Um, so, what else you got going on? You spent like uh, you spent Christmas this year stuck in the hospital. It, it, you know, for about three or four weeks. Yeah. You, you, your pacemaker was going off and zapping you. Oh, was it zapping me? I right. Didn't realize it. it freaked you out. It was the defibrillator that goes off. Right. Rapture. Right. But uh, yeah, that was. That was frightening. And then they, they kept you in the nursing home for well, about three weeks to kind of help you get... The guy came in at first that he adjusted it, and then he came back a couple of days later and adjusted it again. Right. They just keep raising the uh, level. The threshold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think it's it's serving its purpose. If you if you were... Uh, you obviously had to have a... Had to have a zap. Something was going on there. You're, oh, yeah. you're in perpetual AFib is your whole deal. And I... They can't get you out of it. They've tried. Um, but uh, so, yeah, so that was kind of crazy from like the middle of December until the middle of January. Right. You were you were in this nursing home up in Dade City. And then uh, you feeling better, though, since you've been home. Oh, yes. I have to call there. To do what? I met a nurse. Who, uh, what do you, you want to invite her to be a live-in nurse here? What's... No, <laughs> I could do that. She was really cute. <laughs> the last two days I was there, she came in every night and she would come in and talk to me and sit and she's very nice. She has three kids. She's right. What was her name? Thirty five. Kayla. K A Y L A. Kayla. Nurse Kayla. And she just kinda hung out with you. She hung out with me, yeah. Yeah. She was flirting. Yeah, I'm sure she wanted you. I'm sure she I'm sure she was trying to figure out a way to, to spring you out she of there so she could Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, I'm sure that she's definitely got the right guy there, rich old man. <laughs> um all right, so this was this was another installment of a little Tuesday chit chatting about the golden, the oldie years. Yes, um, uh, was that good? That was good. I enjoyed it. I uh, yeah. I, you don't hear that piece of paper wrinkling in the mic in, in your I head hear it now. in your head headphones. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it like loud? A, it's loud. Oh. It's, I mean, it sounds like oh, it was right up. Yeah, because you have it up to the mic. Yeah, so it's picking up every little sound that you do there. And then I don't know. Can you see the green bars on the on the board that are lighting up? Yes. So you're you're number four. I'm number one. So we're right about the same level. Uh, it's just when you're you're doing that shuffling over it, it sounds like you're ready to make a, an anonymous Randy. phone call to. I have I have your daughter, and the ransom is <laughs> five thousand dollars. You're just disguising your voice over the wrinkling. Um, all right, so that's about it. Well, uh, okay. I know later on this week I'm having the podcast with my the neighbor down the street who yeah, was here the other Alex. day, Alex. Uh, so we're going to try to hit that off and trying to get a couple of podcasts in uh, during the week. Uh, last thing, you know, and even though you don't follow it at all, Super Bowl prediction, the Tampa Bay Bucks or the Kansas City Chiefs? I have to say the Tampa Bay Bucks. Because you're, you're going to go with the home, yeah, the the home, home deal. Right. 
I got you. Listen, I, I completely understand that. So there you have it. I mean, from our from our superstar prognosticator back there who has, has probably not watched a, a snap of football other than passing to get some buffalo wings or something like that uh, in in years. So uh, so he's he's all in on the Bucks, and uh, we'll be back later on this week to try to get some predictions as we get closer. Good enough. Thank all right, you. Dad. Okay. Bye-bye. Hey, America. Check out 16W with Norman. All the self-deprecation and stupidity you can handle, available wherever you download and listen. Rate, share, and review. I'm Chris Cody. Arr.